Hey, She Slays listeners. Before we get into the episode, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, the Focus Academy. So you know chiropractic can help kids, but you lack confidence in your knowledge or communication skills to educate parents in your community. I've got a solution for you. The Focus Academy gives you the training and education to understand the why behind those wins and challenges you're seeing in clinic. They teach you how to perform a full brain-based exam, how to go beyond just the subluxation, but stay principled in your chiropractic approach and address and understand the consequences on brain development. They take a two-pronged approach. First, clinical solutions taught in a way that gives you full access to a deeper and more comprehensive understanding and breaks those techniques and approaches down into digestible and practical steps. Second, right now strategies you can employ wherever you are in your training. You'll learn how to seamlessly ask and answer the big questions in your clinical exams and re-exams and have it actually inform the whole child approach and care planning in a way your patients will understand. And since you're a She Slays listener, you'll get free access to the Focus Academy's Kickstart program. Just click the link in the show notes to get started on your journey to improving your practice. She Slayers, and welcome to another episode of She Slays the Day podcast. I am your host, Dr. Lauren Brunswick, and today we have a fun one. No, for real. Today's episode is crazy. If you have not heard this story um, from Dr. Jody Green, um, let's just say that I was scrolling Facebook and on the Women Cairo page, I saw a chiropractor say like, I wrote a book about my story and time being in a Mexican prison. And that was all the information I needed. It was like, I'm going to get this girl on the podcast and I'm going to find out what the hell did she do to get into a Mexican prison. Um, and honestly, I think it's, it's crazier than I was expecting because I do zero research. Right? I even like told her this in the podcast. Like, um, I like you. I like finding out the story. Like you guys are like live, and you know, I think that just makes a more honest interview where I don't know who and why or what we're going to talk about. So yeah. So before we get into that, um, I wanted to share. So I was at church this last week and there, you know, the guy was talking about identity. And I think that there are lots of different topics, specifically where I feel compelled to help chiropractors. And I do think that like anybody who's coaching in any capacity, even if they're not on a stage, or they're not charging for coaching, anybody who's helping guide other people, a lot of the things that I think we feel compelled to help on are things that we personally struggle with, right? Like, um, I guess that's not always true. Like I, but I can be a better coach that way, right? So like I could coach someone on how to just take more initiative and be act like actionable and pivot quickly. But the root of my advice wouldn't be how to overcome that because that's a natural ability of mine. Like I would be able to give some help, but I'd be like, I don't know, just, just do it, right? So one of the things that I really struggle with is placing my identity in so many other things. Like, and I think, you know, that's something I, I've talked about multiple times, but I do think that more chiropractors need to, we, we praise putting your identity as a chiropractor, right? Like, that's why we capitalize the last three letters sometimes. We're a chiropractor, you know. Be, like we are absolutely praised for putting our entire identity 
into this profession. And if you're a true chiropractor, then this should be your everything. For me, where that becomes an issue is then it becomes like, well, then I want to be a good chiropractor. And what is a good chiropractor? A good chiropractor is a successful chiropractor. Because if you weren't good, or if you weren't not seeing a lot of people, then you're obviously not very good at communicating. And so like, for me, that really starts me down the spiral of, well, it's not just a chiropractor. That's not just the problem. The identity is like put into being a successful chiropractor and a good one and this and that. And, you know, the point of the message was like, don't put your identity into anything that can be taken away from you. And in today's story with Jody Green, you see how much is was taken from her. And ironically, chiropractic was not and you'll get to hear how she was adjusting people in jail, prison, prison, okay. Um, but like, it just reminds you her story of just like so much can be taken away from you at any given time. And if you put your identity into your practice success into the home that you have, you know, there's so many different things that we are going to feel like we are coming up short because when we're comparing that or, you know, when we're putting our identity in that, it's always in comparison to other people as well. So there is your like spiritual, like, stop it, stop it right now. You know, think about, you know, write a list of like, what, what do you, you know, you're probably going to say like, well, I'm a mother. I mean, this, you know, for those who are unable to conceive, you may have put your identity into I'm going to become a mother and just like that pain that that contributes to your life. You know, there's that's the other thing of this is like, there can be so much uncontrolled pain, when you identify as something. And then again, you your brain has a measuring stick of whether or not you're doing a good enough job at that. So I love you. I think you're doing great. And please just, you know, figure out your shit. We'll figure it out together. Um, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry if you're already annoyed with this, but like, it's gonna be a minute. We are a couple of weeks away from the wait list getting access to the multi-passionate chiropreneur. Um, so if you don't know what the multi-passionate chiropreneur is, this is my second year that I will be doing this. This is my signature course. This is basically everything that I have worked for and the lessons that I have learned in practice and money and investing and even like the relationships in my life. Kirby plays a really strong component in the uh, in the course. I don't know if you guys know that, but he's actually in like half of the trainings because he's really smart on money. And, you know, we talk about building a life together and how money and chiropractic and all of investments kind of all can work together for you to be really happy and get a lot of joy. Um, it's a lot of the mistakes and changes that I have realized and needed to make to my own practice over the last five years. Um, and how, you know, running a practice is hard. It can be isolating, it can be overwhelming, it can, you can feel like you're constantly in a state of fight or flight. And there are things you can do that's not going to change right? Like when you're talking to a stressed out mom in your practice and you're like, okay, well, I can't change the amount of stress in your life, but what can I do? I can change how your nervous system processes that. Well, I can help you change your money flow. I can change, help you change the way you run your practice. So like the stress is going to keep coming. 
but like it can be more enjoyable and it can be more fun. And I think can really, you know, especially if you're one of those people who's like, well, I'm just going to adjust until I sell my practice and then I'll have fun. Like that's a terrible plan. I hate that for you. I mean, unless that's what you really, really want to do, you can still adjust till you're 65, just so you know, like you can not have that be your plan and you can adjust until you're hundred if you want. Um, but like to be dependent on that, like, what if you blow your shoulder out? What if you blow your shoulder out at 45 and like all of your money is and I don't know. Okay. We're getting down the rabbit hole. I'm sorry. Um, if that kind of a conversation, if being around people that are starting to think differently, love chiropractic, but want to start, you know, getting more freedom and energy and joy and money back in their life, I really recommend you join the wait list. Um, so if you're listening before December 7th, 2023, you can join the wait list. The wait list will get four days earlier access to one of the 32 spots that are available in the course. There's only 32. Last year we did sell out. Um, and you get a hell of a discount. Um, this year it's between 600 to 12, 600 to $1,100 off. Um, if you are on that wait list and choose to book a free discovery call with me during that four day window. Otherwise, if you're not on the wait list, December 11th is when you will really start getting access to um, joining a discovery call with me, and then you will pay more. <laughs> uh, okay, let's talk about Jody Green. So she's an author, coach, chiropractor, speaker, and hardworking entrepreneur. She runs multiple businesses with her husband who she met in chiropractic school, and they live in his hometown of, oh, I don't know how to pronounce this, Decatur, Alabama. I doubt that that's how Alabama pronounces that with a French fancy accent. That's not French, British. Decatur. Decatur? How do you think, how do we think they pronounce that in Alabama? Decatur. It's De Decatur, Alabama. I don't know. I just insulted an entire state. Anyways, she grew up in Michigan playing sports, riding horses, and spending as much time on Lake Michigan as possible with her family. And her passion is to help people live their best, healthiest life. And she left out the part where she spent a long time in a Mexican prison. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. But first, we're going to pray. Dear God, thank you so much for Jody being out of prison shit and if her story can save one person from being caught up in the evil that just exists and the scams like just hmm, protect everyone um you know lord as we talk about our identity and what we're putting that in you know there's really only one identity that matters only one identity that can't be taken away from us is and that is the true identity that you created us with to be humans on this earth to love one another i don't even want to say that we have a big purpose because to us it may not feel big so if we identify with i'm here to do big things that in itself is is measurable and can make us feel disappointed we're here to love we're here to love others and just continue. That's really what it is. Praising you, being a good person and loving and anything beyond that can be taken from us. But we have control over how we show up for one another. So help us continue to get that shit show under control. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Dr. Jody Green. Enjoy. Okay, Jody. Well, welcome to the podcast. One of my first questions that I ask people um, a lot of times is, 
Do you know what the Enneagram is? And do you know your Enneagram number? I know about it, but no, fill me in more. Oh, it's way too long. Don't worry. By the end of the conversation, I'm sure I'll diagnose you as a number. Um, But it's just as I meet people, like I think my brain is just really weird where like I need to understand their motivations and stuff in life. And so a lot of time, and that's what a lot of the Enneagram is, is like the motivations behind our actions. And so I'm always like, huh, you wrote a book. You did this. What, what's your story? What's your deal? So, all right, don't worry. It's okay. You don't know. I'll still allow you to be a guest. I just will have to figure it out on my own. (laughs) Okay. That's exciting because I'm going to write down two numbers now. I'm pretty sure that they're going to be one of the two. Okay. So you've, okay. Okay. So what is like, when did you graduate? Where did you graduate from? I need to know this information before we get into the meat of this conversation. Yeah. So I was very fortunate enough. My brother is Dr. Jed Ems. He practices in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And me being six years younger than him, I went to school and I was like, nothing in science. That's, that's not my path. That's not who I am. And then all of a sudden he goes away to school and I'm like, wait, there's females doing what he's doing. So you mean I can be an awesome chiropractor being a female? Cause I grew up with male chiropractors. Okay. And I was like a like, lot of us did. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, my life was just altered when I saw his friends and some of them being smaller than I am. And I'm five foot three. And I'm like, this is the life. They're changing people's lives, their health, their energy, everything. So then I, I decided after my four-year de- degree to go to Life University. Oh, I, you picked a good one. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And absolutely loved life. I loved the culture. That's where I met my husband. It was all a part you of married my married a chiropractor. I sure did. Oh, that debt. I'm that so debt. spoiled. <laughs> I'm so spoiled. And next thing you know, my husband, my he wasn't my husband at the time, but we looked at each other one day after taking some exams and we were like, we hate Atlanta. And we had to really dig deep and who are we and what path did we want to take? And we looked up and Googled the next nearest chiropractic school. And next thing you know, uh, the next semester or quarter, we transferred to Sherman and that's where we graduated and loved life. Mm-hmm. You don't hear about people transferring chiropractic colleges very often. Yeah. That, how, what was that process like? It was looking back, it was everything that we needed it to be because we transitioned uh, very easily there. The people were so inviting and welcoming, but it Did was all of your very... education transition easily. Uh, not really. We had, we were like mixed quarters. We were kind of like watercolors with different classes and different things. But the biggest thing was it was heartbreaking to leave our friends that we had learned how to study with at life. And it was one of those, okay, we know that the path is taking us here and we're never going to lose those friendships, but it was like relearning how to learn when we got to Sherman because we weren't with our original study buddies. Mm, Got it. Um, The reason I'm curious about it is because like, so I've literally had a guest on before 
that knew she wanted to do network technique and thought that's how all chiropractic was and just went to the closest chiropractic school where they didn't have a network program or training at all. And, you know, or there's chiropractors who maybe just think all chiropractic uh, schools are really philosophical. Um, and then they go and they're like, this is not. Um, and I just, the idea that like, yeah, you can change schools versus like just gut it out for the next three and a half years. That's, it seems really obvious, but like you don't hear people doing it. Yeah. And I think to our own path that we've always kind of laid forward for each other, we've always wanted to surround ourselves with the right environment. And we just knew we were not going to be as successful. We weren't absorbing. We were on a stress level. Let's say the average chiropractic student is maybe a 12 out of 10. We were a 20 because the environment was not you hated Atlanta conducive. Yes, we are small city, small city, <laughs> small city people. Got it. Okay. So we're going to make a big jump now. How'd you end up in prison? All right. <laughs> Let's go right into it. I love this question. Most people are scared to ask it that way. I saw you here on Facebook and I'm like, who is this chick? I need to know the story. Yeah. And it's awesome because it all stems back from chiropractic. My husband and I, Dusty, he and I were going to go on this um, retreat trip. And as we were going to go on this retreat trip, we didn't know anything about traveling to Mexico or internationally. Was it a chiropractic retreat or just? Yes, it was with Dr. Nona Javid. Okay. And we were doing her Elevate trip. We had already been a part of her part-time million-dollar practice. Loved it. Went to our first retreat. We tripled our practice. We loved it. And here we are. Okay, retreat number two. Life is about to change and be blown up at our disposal. And we had never traveled internationally like this. So my husband being from Alabama, well, men generally carry pistols either with them on their side, in their car, they're in the house. It's just a culture down here. And me being from Michigan, I understand so many people don't understand how it's a culture here. I get it. Because right. I didn't understand it at first. So we did what we were supposed to do. We're like, okay, if we're going to Mexico, how do we protect ourselves and be the safest we can be? And we call TSA, we call our airlines, we call the airport, we check all the boxes. And all we keep seeing, it's one of those law of attractions. What you fear the most comes to you. We keep seeing all these news articles, people, tourists being killed, their heads are cut off. Mm -hmm. And that was our main motive to then bring a pistol and make sure we were safe. So as we get on the plane, we're all excited to do this retreat. We land and I end up going to prison for the pistols. Doesn't even make sense. I know, but here we go. So were you not allowed to bring it into the country or you had to declare it differently? Nope. You are not allowed to bring any firearms, not even a shotgun shell. We have heard so many stories of Americans being told they could bring anything, even hunting rifles, and you get to Mexico and it is completely illegal. 
So you land and what happens? We see that our luggage, we brought a carry-on and a checked bag. Our checked and bag the was not- gun is obviously in the checked bag. In a double lockbox, because that's what America told us what right, to do. Right, like TSA was- pro- Okay, but hold up, America, come on, people. They could have been like, oh, we just uh, don't do that to Mexico. Yeah, okay. but they did. So double lockbox. Yeah, we even have camera footage of us at our airport pulling it out then putting a piece of paper on it. Like, have a great trip. Bye. Okay. Okay. So you land. We land. We're like, yeah. We're like, okay, this is the trip of a lifetime. Let's go get our baggage. It's going to be amazing. And there's no baggage. We're like, worst case scenario at this point. We're like, they take the pistol. Okay. You know what? Whatever. Right. Confiscated luggage comes and there's a a, the zippers open and there's a piece of fabric out of it about this much. And my husband's like, okay, they clearly checked it. So he puts his hand in, it's like, nope, it's there. We grab the bag, turn, and all of a sudden, here they all come swarming to so they didn't take it out of your bag, they waited to see if you were gonna claim the bag or who was going to claim the bag we oh should is this the cancun down. airport which airport is this cancun mm-hmm. yeah okay. and we should have known right then don't even touch the bag since the bag wasn't there but it, wait, wait where did you get it so it did it come on the baggage loop no somebody brought it around from behind because they were had they had already put it through some sort of detector okay got it so they brought it and, to you and they're like, here so you go. Are you going to take it? And then, and then they're like, ha, we got you. It's, Whoa. it's a wild money scheme because then after that, yeah, it becomes about money. Okay. So, so there's two of you. So, okay. Yeah. Tell me what happens next. Next, we go to this side of the airport where they pull out the luggage and they're opening everything up they get the lockbox and next thing you know they start pointing and yelling on the radios for more guards and at this point dusty goes white and he's six foot at this time like 280 he's a big burly guy you don't see him go stone cold white and get cold and my intuition it was fight or flight I was so calm. This is where our nervous system, we don't give our nervous system enough credit because I'm usually the one that's freaking out. And I was just like, we got this. This is okay. We can handle this. They're going through and they keep pointing to Dusty. Hey, you, you, like, who is this? This is yours. And then it came to a point after a while the guard slid over and he said, call the U.S. Embassy. So we did. That was pointless. What? The U.S. Embassy can't do anything for us Americans when we're in Mexico. Well, that is not, Nothing. that was not my thought. Not one thing. So then when they, they open it up, there's now more guards than I can count, all with ARs walking around and you're, you're like, okay, this is 
this is really serious. Yeah. We get, we get where they want to open up all our luggage at this point. I could feel and sense they just wanted to go through our stuff at this point. It's yeah. like, hey, let's see how much money these Americans have. What's in these bags? Yeah. And next thing you know, they're asking for our passports. Well, they're pointing to my passport and they're pointing. No, I'm sorry. They're pointing to my passport pointing to Dusty. His passport pointing to me. They're confusing us on purpose for the cameras because I didn't know this at the time. I was about to go to prison. We keep thinking it's Dusty because Dusty said they're my pistols. I never even shot a pistol. Okay, so why? Okay, so they were doing something for the cameras, but how was them pointing at the wrong passport and you... How did that then justify you going? Here's where it comes down to the one trick that they had. We have a joint Delta card and I pulled mine out of my purse at the counter. So I used it. So the luggage tag had my name on it. So because my name was on it, it was technically mine, even though Dusty had a piece of certification on the pistol. We had documentation about it. He was like, it's you're mine. technically the person who transported it into Mexico. And I mean, sure, at this point, you're going, take it, take it. Like, oh, yeah. fine, I don't need it. I, don't, I just want to go to my retreat. <laughs> I think it's still happy hour. They might still be serving margaritas by the time we get. So, okay, so when does it click in? What's the point where you go, oh, I'm not leaving here? to this retreat there is not the like sense of like fine take the damn pistol we'll be on our way there was one moment where we thought okay they'll just take everything we'll just go back to america mm-hmm. we're like just don't even let us yeah don't even country. let us in the country yep let's go back we're do you have kids at home at this point uh i have a 12 year old stepson so okay. fortunately enough he was able to be with the other side of the family but yeah, still. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. And so we kept thinking, all right, we're just going home. Screw it. It's okay. We're healthy. We're safe. And then they start saying, okay, no, it's time to come with us. And when they're signaling with their, with their guns, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, you're yeah. coming with us. That's when I was like, how am I going to get Dusty out of here? I don't know Spanish. He doesn't know Spanish. How do I do this? What do I do as a female being by myself in a foreign country? So they're taking you. So they're saying like, you are coming with us. They're saying that to Dusty at this time. Okay. But there's a lot of fingers in Spanish being said. They even read Dusty's rights to him in Spanish. I have it on camera. Oh, yeah. Next thing you know, we take this awful truck cop car ride to the jail, kind of like a DUI holding tank is how I could describe it. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go get money and I'm going to bail them out and we are out of here. Are you and Dusty together in the ride? Are you handcuffed? We are sitting side by side. There's a wonderful female police officer next to us. We're not handcuffed. She's translating via phone saying, call whoever you can because they're about to take your phones. 
And we're on with U.S. Embassy. We're on with some of our closest friends. We're like, you need to get us a lawyer. I don't know what to do. You barely have service over there as it is. The U.S. Embassy is saying, hey, where was your date? What's your date of birth and what city were you born in? We're like, we have guns. We're going to need you to speed this conversation up a little bit. I probably have about seven minutes before I'm in the jail. Yeah. So they were like no help. Like, so what I picture is like U.S. Embassy. This is Lauren Brunswick. You know where I live. Um, I'm going to need help because I am, there's some shady shit about to go down. And they're like, oh yeah, we know how this goes. We'll be there in 10 minutes. That didn't happen. No. So then we fast forward to pulling in there. And all of a sudden I'm sitting, Dusty's in the middle of this truck cop car and I'm on the window. We open the door for me to get out so that he can get out. And he wears a lot of jewelry, like necklaces, his wedding rings big. Next thing you know, I'm like, strip your jewelry, get it all off. And they start pointing at me. And I'm like, hold on, me? They're like, yeah, you, you. And I'm thinking, I'm, I did nothing. This is not mine, but what? <laughs> That's been taken. <laughs> yeah. But all he's sudden, a boy. He can handle this situation much better than me. All of a sudden, another wave of calmness came over my body. And I, it was instinct. I took off my jewelry. My husband froze again. And I grabbed his face and I said, it's okay. I got this. And I said, you can, and you will get me out. I know you are the person to do that. And I kissed him and I turned around and walked away because I knew if I stayed there, I would lose it. And it was like instant go time. Like, okay, we're doing this. Okay. So, but at this point you don't necessarily know. So like how much time did you end up spending in this prison? 28 days no no holy shit okay so I I actually got like kind of ridiculed by a most a more recent guest because like I invited her on and like found out like surprisingly like some information she's like don't you like vet your guests I'm like no I like being surprised I saw that you wrote a book about being in prison I want to know the story I don't want to ruin the I was literally expecting you to say 28 hours and I was going to be like, okay, cool. I would totally still write a book. Just so we're clear, I wouldn't have judged you if you wrote a book and like made this story. Like I was in prison for 24 hours. I'd be like, damn, that must have been. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So when now tell, tell me what happens when you realize, because I would just assume like, not just assume I would be going, damn it. I might be sleeping here tonight. Oh, instantly when the roles reversed, I knew I was there for at least, I, I was hoping I would be out in 24 hours. Okay. But I knew come 12 to 14 hours in, I mean, cause we arrived, our plane arrived at 1130. We didn't, it was a couple hours of them searching the chaos, starting, getting to their it's probably four or five o'clock at this point. And I'm awake almost all night because they're wanting pictures, fingerprints, 
they want to know what my basically what my brother's favorite food is. They yeah. were so detailed. It was ridiculous. And so the morning comes and I didn't sleep because I was in and out. And it was like, okay, you're going to be here for a little while. Then Dusty comes in and is hysterically been crying. I can tell he doesn't know what to do. He's just trying to find a lawyer. Oh, surprise, surprise, though. When we got there, an American Spanish speaking lawyer walked out the front door where they dropped him off. Hmm. Well, I'm sorry. I don't believe in coincidences because I think the universe and the world is setting you up for certain things. And whether you call this a coincidence or not, that was not a coincidence because that guy, his job is to be there for Americans like us because they know that they're going to have more like us. Okay. So Dusty got found this guy. No, this guy essentially found him. Oh, he okay. probably got a phone call the second they scanned the pistol, like, hey, we got another Americans. So get ready. You better be at the courthouse jail that we're at. Mm -hmm. This is a whole system that they do over there. Oh, this guy wasn't on your side. This Correct. Was... He was oh, pretending... I was like, oh. No, he was pretending to be on our side, but we knew girls fast oh. forward. When I actually went from the jail to the prison, there were other girls that had that lawyer. We call him lawyer number one who had him and he was just taking their money and they're still in prison. Okay. Because they know, like, I mean, literally this American who's like, I can get your wife out of jail. Like Dusty is probably like 10,000, 20,000, like get my wife mm -hmm. out of jail, like right in zeros. Oh yeah. That makes sense that that would be like, it's yes. like an add on money. So, okay. Okay. All right. So, so next, yeah. So next I'm learning how Dusty's communicating with these lawyers and he keeps saying, okay, we're going to save it because in America, if you're not guilty, you claim not guilty. Why would you say I'm guilty and then commit yourself to a crime that you didn't commit? Right. So we were going to plead not guilty. The lawyer said, we'll get her out in 48 hours. Then you have 48 hours until they charge you, Dusty, and you guys are fleeing the country. Okay. So I'm thinking at this point, okay, it's going to be 48 hours. Uh -huh. And we go on home. And, and we then we're going to have to sneak bed. out of Mexico. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And next thing you know, that is not the case. You, I should have pleaded guilty because I pleaded innocent. Then my court case comes and they want to build an entire over month long case against me where I just sit while the prosecutors build a bigger case against me. So if you would have pleaded guilty, you would have been, what would Two happen weeks. then though? Two weeks and I would have gone home. And they would have like find you and said mm -hmm. like, you shouldn't have done this. You owe us a bunch of money. But you didn't know that. Like what if they would have sentenced you to a year if you pled guilty? But if you'd have had, ah. Oh. There's so many what ifs. Yeah, because you don't know at all. Like you would need to have a trusted lawyer saying like, I, 
I cannot believe that the U.S. embassy was so worthless in this. Okay. Yeah. Well, okay. So, um, so you are in prison now. <laughs> And yeah. you are getting the sense that you're, did they set the date? So like, did you know, like, this is your court date? And you're like, that's three and a half weeks from now. They, after 48 hours in the initial jail is when your court case is. Okay. So I knew I had to wait for that. The course case was over via Zoom. So I'm sitting That's when you plead non-guilty with your shitty lawyer. Correct. Okay. And Dusty even goes to the courthouse, goes on stand and says, you know, this is, this is mine. Please don't take, don't take her, take me. And next thing you know, the end of the Zoom call ends and it says, okay. And it, it was like 32 or 33 days from the day that they said, uh, that's when our next Zoom call is. And we will have a trial about her case. And I'm like, um, over a month, really? Okay, so now my brain is going to clean up control. Right. How do I protect my husband? I'll deal with me once I get to the prison. I only have a few moments with Dusty before they take me away. And I don't know if I'll ever see him again. Oh my gosh. So I prepared it. I had five minutes. And... My first two minutes, I had planned for business talk. My second two, biz, my second two minutes, like your were chiropractic strategic. business. Yeah, I was like, okay, girl, we just ordered girl. all this. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you know, Marsha, make sure she remember she likes the activator, not a manual adjustment. <laughs> oh no, I, I was even way beyond that. I was like, because I knew Dusty would come back to me in Mexico. Mm -hmm. I was, I was going for equipment and money. I, I said, sell the tables. You can get this amount for x-ray, all the phone numbers you need. Are oh, okay. Phone. So you're like liquefying. So you have cat, like you have money to yes. get you out. Cause you've realized at this point, oh, this is a, this is about money. This is yes. about money. Yeah. Okay. And I'm thinking, we just started our weight loss program where we sell the people. I'm like, your sister can start selling that for us. Whatever you need, this is what you do. Get rid of the cars, get rid of the house. You can live with your mom. <laughs> and, and then I strategically placed the last minute for just hugs and tears. And we got this and boom, I got in the cop car and was in prison. So Dusty goes home. No. He doesn't follow any directions. Oh, that motherfucker. Yeah. God damn it, Dusty. I gave yeah. you I gave you strict instructions. Get out of this country. Find me a better lawyer and have a hundred thousand dollars prepared to bribe or pay someone. Yes. Essentially, that's what you say. Exactly. Yep. And of course, because and listen to me, I'm going to prison, right? Yeah. So he, what does he do? He goes and finds another lawyer, a very, what we would call like a top elite lawyer with a translator, a lot of different things. Based out of Cancun or? Um, 
based on us, we don't even know where, probably Russia because they want to pay in, in Bitcoin. That was okay. red flag number okay. probably five. How did Dusty find this lawyer? How did Dusty find lawyer two? We need to do a second interview with Dusty. <laughs> God we need damn to write Dusty. questions out for Dusty. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I can only empathize because I can't even imagine. But yeah, okay. Okay. Next thing you know, he stays there. He gets a hotel at what we call Hotel Ebis. It is our little saving grace. He had the tiniest room. He created a little apartment in it. And if it weren't for him, he is like my top angel in all of this because he ended up being able to come and see me every Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday. Oh. And at the time, I didn't know, but if he wasn't able to come, I would have had no water, absolutely no water, barely any food, the most disgusting food you've ever tried to eat and no change of clothes. Whoa. Okay. So no water, no water. And like the food, like gross food thing, I can be like, okay, that sucks. Yeah. But okay. Let me paint a little bit of the picture. When I say food, it means, did you ever growing up, did your parents ever, when they packed you a sandwich, get like the cheap fold over bags, the clear ones? Yes, yes. Mm -hmm. You know how they had those, but the big like gallon ones that it was just the twist ties at the top. Yeah. Not a nice bougie ziplock. Right, yeah, yeah. So they put, for example, black beans and some cut up hot dogs in the bag, tied it up and threw it in your jail cell with a stack of the worst tortilla shells you've ever had. And they're so dry, you have to have water Water, to eat a tortilla shell. So the girls would sit there, they get their bag, they bite a corner of it, drink it out the side, roll up their tortilla shell and start eating it. They drink, eat, drink, eat. Oh my God. Okay. All right. Um, so you're in a cell with how many women? At that time, give or take about 10, but I ended up being, after I was processed in the prison, put in a cell with about 15, 16 girls. Oh, okay. We're like, was any of this like Orange is the New Black? Okay. Had you watched Orange is the New Black prior to this? Okay. So yes, at some girl, point- when I wrote you're... about it. Okay. So when, like, what are some of the more lighthearted, like interesting things that you learned in prison that you'd go like, you know, the average person might not expect this, but this is actually how it is, or this is not how it is. One thing I was not expecting is after what they call Lista, they go through and they do roll call so that many nap? times a day. Um, no, Lista's ready. Lista's Lista get ready. Lista is, exactly. And it's to take your roll call. So they yeah. the guards come, everybody's got to stand in line from the one that's been in the cell the longest to the newbie in the back. And during this Lista at night, once it's done, you can take off your uniform and because it's so hot. I was there in May. It's so hot. And you could be basically in your underwear and most of them were in sports bras. Well, I didn't expect it's a bad. Are you just wearing your bra that you wore on the plane? Yeah. 
Yeah. So that's a whole nother part of the book. But yes, they took they took my clothes except for my underwear and my sports bra, my socks and my hey dudes. That's what I had. And then they give you bottoms that are bright orange in a polo thick yellow top. And they make you shower twice a day. Why? Because you have to shower because there's so many girls confined that they don't want you to stink. But the problem is, how do you shower when you only have one uniform? Right. So there's so many situations are setting you up for failure. And, but here's where, so then I didn't know a badge of honor is to where if you have a spouse or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whatever you have in there, you wear their, their shorts or pajama shorts or boxers to bed. Okay. And it was very territorial, just like in Orange is the New Black. Oh. You have your people. So the mayor. So you like to- the dusty comes in and like, give me your underwear. I need your underwear. No, I was like, give me a change of clothes because I'm dying here in the heat. I'm like, give me anything. And I didn't know this right away, but I was starting to watch and learn. Everything is just like Orange is the New Black. Like you have your segregations, you have your, your demographics, even though, for example, they might all be from Cancun. They're not, but if they even were, they're still very segregated with we protect our own. Yeah. And I mean, for those listening, like you're very white presenting, <laughs> like yes. you're blonde, white, very white skin. Like me, I've, I would probably, you know, like I could maybe pass. Like, does she have Latina in her? Do we don't want to mess with her? But like you, they're like, oh, we got a white one. Like, okay. Did you feel discriminated against because you weren't Mexican? Oh, I like, I stuck or were they the nicer to you? They, okay, here's the kicker. I came back down to Orange is the New Black and I talk a lot about it in the book. What is one thing with Orange is the New Black that is their safety net? Who are the ones that don't get in trouble or don't, or don't get harassed? It's the girls that have something that all the other girls want. Yep access to resources or exactly why I had no access at the time to resources because I hadn't seen Dusty yet I knew if I was able to see him he's gonna go to Walmart he's gonna get them whatever he wants I got you cigs I got you tampons you get water how much stuff can he bring though oh he he was able to if you go in a couple weeks or a couple days, he was able to bring a lot of different things. But at this time, this is like the shocker moment. I've got nothing, haven't been able to see Dusty. What do I do? Okay, go back to foundations. I'm thinking about Piper. I'm thinking about all the girls in Orange is the New Black. What do they have? They had nothing. Who am I? I'm a chiropractor. I have my hands. Yes. I can protect people and protect myself if I help people feel better, function better, and give them access to something they can't ever get access to, they won't hurt me in return. Right. Genius. So no matter what, I was like, if I have to stay here, 
I already knew which girl I was going to get my little friend to be my translator so that I could then start adjusting people. And what I later found out within the next few days was everybody has a trade in there, just like Orange is the New Black. There's a nail girl, there's a hair girl, there's somebody who comes and uh, does facials. There's somebody who, there's a cooking crew. There's crews for everything. And I'm like, well, guess what? This little blonde girl is going to change your life. <laughs> oh my like, God. That's so I okay. I started very, very carefully though, because I knew again, from Orange is the New Black, people will take advantage of you. And I was not going to allow myself to be taken advantage of. So how do you do that? You do things in secret. So I would do things. I would watch for who's hurting and be like, oh, or that, you know, there's so many yeah. classic signs. All oh, my neck hurts. And I would be like, come here. And I would say chiropractor. And I'd start doing this. And they're like, yeah. And then I'd, I'd say like, oh, aqua or for exchange for certain things. Soap, like I had no soap. How am I supposed to? shower once a day twice a day and I have no soap so I started adjusting there's so much so like I would have just been in there like I want you to like me so I I would have been like attention yeah totos yo soy chiropractor and you've been like oh girl you would not have lasted two days in that prison okay they would have been like this was my biggest fear they would have been like hey, she's stuck here forever because she is now our chiropractor. We are never releasing her ever again. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. So you are establishing this ring of, of um, resources. When do you find out Dusty didn't leave? And when, when do you start talking to the Russian chiropractor or not uh, the Russian um, lawyer? That was between our maybe 24 to day four or five. Okay. We actually had her for probably over two weeks. Okay. But when she was not getting me out and she was not wanting anything but Bitcoin, we were like, okay, next lawyer. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So fast forward to lawyer number four is who actually got me out. He got okay. me out in less than a week. Okay, but so how did that lawyers, go down? Every every time you change paperwork, it keeps you in there longer. So every time Oof. we got a new lawyer, it was more and more paperwork. Right. And then I knew I knew about day three, Dusty was still there because our lawyers somehow got him in so that we were able to see each other for 15 minutes in this little cubby with bars between us. Okay. Oh my gosh, it's got to be, I can't. All right, so I want to obviously talk about the book, but I need to know how this ends first. Otherwise I won't be able to focus. So like, how did you get out? On Because you said 20... 28 days, sorry. So you said you were in prison for 28 days. The first two probably didn't count or they, you counted them, but like, they set a, a date 33 days after the first 44 hours. So you should have been waiting until 35 days, right? Before you Right. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. So I knew no matter what, I was going to be there probably until the end of June. I went in on May 18th of 2022. 
And at this point, it's, and I, I made myself a calendar. I checked off every single day. I went through one pen a day because I was writing nonstop. Okay, so you had paper. Dusty brought me, Dusty was able to bring me after a week, anything pretty much that I needed. That's where you'll read in the book. There's a lot of ins and outs about what he could bring me, when he brought me, that kind of thing. But essentially, I, I had what I needed at this point. Then we fast forward to the week before I get out. We get lawyer number four. We call him lawyer number four. And he keeps saying, I can get you out in about three to five days. Well, the way that the calendar was working, it was going to become a Saturday, Sunday. And I'm like, Dusty, I can't keep getting these false promises. I am so mentally strong, but these mental promises are ruining me. And at that point, I said it. I was like, let's just pretend you're in here for a few months. Mindset. This is like mindset shift. No false promises. If you have expectations, you're going to be let down. So let's take the expectation away. Monday comes. Everything is set for our court hearing on a Tuesday. And next thing you know, Tuesday, I had a Zoom call at 1130, 12 o'clock in the afternoon. And I said I was going to get out that day. That On a guilty or non-guilty charge? Guilty. On and guilty. We ended up so you having switched to, to guilty. Switch it. You, you plead guilty and you buy your time out. So technically- What does that mean? Technically, you are speaking to a Mexican felon. I am technically a Mexican felon for four years. And I say that with a grain of salt. I don't say it like I'm proud of it. I'm saying it because I am so proud of myself for coming out of this. So you pled guilty. They would say, okay, you should do four years for this unless you pay us. Can I ask what's the amount? Uh, I can't give that away yet. Okay. I can probably, probably, probably soon, but not yet. It was pretty okay. steep. Okay. Did you have to sell, uh, sell a car? No, Dusty's so amazing. He, okay. he took Are you allowed to say, everything. is it more or less than a hundred thousand dollars? Uh, less. Okay. All right. I'll suffice mm-hmm. with that answer. Yeah. But it, like, because it's and- in like litigation, you're not allowed to say? what um no we have some other projects coming out um okay. things like um netflix and hulu that might be picking us up for a tv series oh, oh my god oh my god could you imagine like you're gonna talk about how you adjusted people in jail and how it saved you oh yeah we're gonna get chiropractor oh. on netflix yeah okay this i didn't even think all- about that you might be an enneagram three but okay um all right so and while you're in, yeah. So, so as the Zoom as the Zoom calls going on, I'm thinking, okay, three four hours after this, I'll be out before it's dark. I go back. One of the ways that I bartered was to promise some of the girls that when I left, I would give them things. Like for example, I had the same color as my shirt, this neon bright purple sports bra. And she was like, can I have when you go? And I'm like, girl, you can have everything. Except for what I'm walking out in, you can have it all. So I dispersed between who I owed things to for the next hour or two. 
Luckily, I didn't give away a roll of toilet paper and my bottle of water. Otherwise, they gave away uh, everything. And all of a sudden, it's 1030. You're like basically sitting by the door with your keys like, yes, I'm sure he's going to be here any second. Yeah. (laughs) And I keep listening and looking and nothing's happening. And everyone's getting ready for bed. And it's 1030 at night. And I'm supposed to be getting out of there. I gave away my tiny like little bed, my tiny pillow, all this stuff. And you have to read the book because over half of my time there, I slept on concrete with nothing but an English to to Spanish dictionary. Oh my gosh. And so just the fact that I was able to have something right before I left and then potentially my last night in there, I would have nothing mm-hmm. was, it was awful. Luckily, then the guards come up because somebody had asked. We didn't see Jody leave. We didn't see Jody leave. And so they came, they got me. Didn't tell Dusty I was getting out. They were supposed to. Luckily, one of my friends in there illegally had a phone and text Dusty, she's getting out now. Come get her now. They were going to release me at the same time. Like three to five other males on the men's side were getting out in just the random streets of Mexico in the back of a dirt-filled prison. At like midnight. Yeah, yeah. Not knowing where to go. And all I knew is Dusty was at Hotel Ibis. I knew nothing about where he was. He was at Hotel Ibis and I had no money. And next thing you know, because of my friend messaging him, Dusty calls lawyer number four and he's like, Jody's getting out, get here now. Dusty pulls in, stands up, opens the car door and I'm walking out of the prison and we just ran to each other and started crying. Holy cow. That's intense. That's really intense. So when did you start thinking i'm gonna write a book about this experience day one first year all right um was three one of your numbers yes it was Uh this is going to make for such a great story okay so is that what you were writing in like did you know like because so purple in prison talk to me about what the because it's not just your prison story. What is the book about? The book is is half our story. It's actually probably two-thirds our story. You're gonna get exposed to a lot of our love letters. And through our love letters that we're we were able to sneak back and forth to each other is when you can see how much of our mindset anchors and our principles were being applied to our everyday lifestyle how are we holding each other accountable to have the highest strongest mindset flow of energy between the two of us meaning for example we would talk and I would tell him okay I'm really weak today I need some of your energy I need you to I need you to stay on topic I need you to stay positive and lighthearted I cannot hear about the drama going on back home. I can't handle people calling you crying upset. I can't handle that today. 
What I can handle is being here present with you, absorbing your strength. Then other days, it would completely flip. And I would call him and be like, I can hear in your voice, everybody back home is not giving you the energy. They're sucking it from you. Today, I am strong. I got you. You can complain to me. We'll figure this out. We'll do what we have to do to make the decisions to get me out. And it was a transition of energy. Who needed who more? And what hour of the day did we have to make decisions? Because there was a lot of decisions with lawyers being made on on an Mm -hmm. hourly basis. So I'm definitely hearing that your marriage um, was tested, but you came out stronger. It was tested because of those around us. It was not tested because of the two of us. Right. You had to learn communication skills like pronto. (laughs) Right. Spanish. Yeah. We had to, we had to learn how to not let the white noise affect the two of us. How do we create a barrier so that him and I are undestructible and nobody can shake us? And that's absolutely what we have done throughout this whole journey. You can't even shake a stick at the foundation of how much the two of us know and trust each other. But if we would have listened to the phone calls from the people that were worried, we knew they had their best intention for us, but that wasn't building us up to help us. Mm -hmm. That was white noise distracting us from making clear, very precise, fast decisions. And so that's the second part where the the last one third of the book, that's what's called the purple principles. That's where you see the philosophy of how Dusty and I were choosing to communicate and spend our energy and each thing with purple, each P-U-R-P-L-E. Okay. I was going to say, so what's up with purple? Okay. Did you love purple before this? Because when I stalked you a little bit on Instagram and Facebook, you're in purple a lot. Is that a branding thing now? Yes. Okay. Yes. I I already was. My two colors, if you can't see me today, but are are purple and pink, but I am always in vibrant, bright colors. And so is Dusty. We're very electric people. And before this, that's where it's, the universe works with you and for you. I wholeheartedly believe because I show up, I'm in purple underwear. I have girls wanting all my purple sports bras and anything Dusty brings me. I told Dusty, I can wear any color out of the prison except for orange and yellow or khaki color because that's what I have to wear inside. Normally, he would have bought me pink. He was rightfully attracted to an entire purple outfit it was like the most fluorescent thing like lilac fluorescent crazy thing and the poor guy didn't even get to bring it to me because they didn't tell me I was getting out so I ended up getting out with some other girl because when you go in the prison they take away your outer clothes they leave you your underwear but they take away your outer clothes and so my shorts and shirt the guards wash and resell it they don't so even I, give you your bag that you checked in with. Right. Like, did Dusty have your cell phone? Like, wh- like yes. I'm just thinking about like your carry-on. Like, did he get to keep that stuff? Or did they sell yes. that? Yes. He, so the moment right before I went into the jail, 
And I turned to him and I said, I got this. I quick stripped myself of everything. Okay. And, and I also knew, okay, if I'm going to get out, I needed a different color. But at this point, I'm like, I'll run out of here in my underwear. Just let me get out. Yeah, I don't care what I'm leaving this prison in. But there's okay, so much so- harmony with purple in throughout the whole thing. But so I started going and I'm like, what is the basis of why I'm here? Mm-hmm. I have a purpose. That's P number one is purpose because I knew my purpose was to sit here and face myself because I essentially was put in my biggest fear, which is being alone. Mm-hmm. And if that's what I have to do to become a better person, a stronger person and a better doctor for my patients, then that's why God is putting me here. Phase number two, why I'm there is because I know if Dave would have taken Dusty, he would have been killed or even if he did get out, he would not be the same person. Mm -hmm. And because if they took him in there and that happened to him, I knew I could do this safer than if he were in there. Because I have right. Fight Club on the other side of the wall every day. Yeah. Okay. First of all, I'm shifting more to a seven wing eight, by the way. Um, but well, I don't know. We don't know. You'll have to retake the test. But now I'm like, oh, maybe she's a seven wing eight. Um, so your purpose was P. And can you share one or two other ones that you know, I want people to buy the book and stuff, but like, yeah. you know, and would you say that these principles are, if you had to pick, cause you said like two thirds is the story. One third is these purple principles and you can't say both to this answer. Okay. Or to this question, would you say that the biggest takeaway is more self-development with the purple principles and like how you choose to lead life or what? No, that's where I want to leave readers that want help. So the number one takeaway from this is our story. If I could save one American to have to go through what I went through, this whole entire process of writing and exposing the world to my my journey was worth it. If I would have known that there was a book like this to keep me from going to prison and bringing this, that's worth it in itself. But my number one goal and what I think people will take away is the story and the unbreakable bond that you can have with your partner, no matter mm-hmm. what situation you're faced with. So many people today don't do the hard work. And that's where I know Dusty and I are unbreakable because we did the hard work. And one of the hardest things to do is forgive. In the moment I knew I was going from the jail to the prison. I touched him and I said, it's okay. I forgive you. I hope that you can learn to forgive yourself. And that's where then I said, okay, I'm going to write our story. Every day that I would write it, I was writing. I actually was not writing what was happening. I was manifesting what I was going to do with my story. That's where Purple Principles, the ending of the book was developed. I said, okay, not only do I have a story, but how can I make people's lives better with it? How can I have an impact with this? Yes. How, what, what can I leave them with that they can use the tools that I was using and applying on a daily basis? So are you surprised by like the outcome of the book? Like not in the writing it, but like the success of it or 
did you know like this is going to be amazing? I'm I knew it would touch people's heart because even if I were to give you a 30 second synopsis, you would be like, ah, it's always right. the oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't know I would change generations. I've started to hear stories of my patients and people through social media who haven't spoken. It, there's women in their 60s who haven't spoken to their own daughters and their grandchildren because of some dumb fight that happened or some miscommunication years ago. And they've been missing out on half their life with their family. And they grab this book and they sit down. They don't even know how to use the purple principles, but it's the motivation that if I can sit in four walls and not be traumatized, that's what my message is, that you can create your own mental freedom, no matter what four walls you're in, you have the power, you have the choice to do that. And that's my, that's the message I wanted and manifested. And that's the message that's getting out. And that's probably what kept you, you know, manifesting that change that you were going to have on the world. I'm guessing was what kept you mentally sane and together in there of like, I have to be strong for that. I talk. Yeah, absolutely. And I talk a lot about anchors because anchors are such a good and a bad thing in this world. If you want to anchor your boat and float away and relax for the day, an anchor is such a great tool to a means. But if you want to fly and sail away, an anchor is nothing but baggage holding you down. So I came up with a system of, I still use it to this day. I have post-it notes in America and the real life. But I, when I was in there, since I just had a pen and some paper, I would choose three words every single day and I would write them down in my hand. What did I want to experience? And I would look at those all day, every day. And I still do it with my post-it note every morning. What do I want? What kind of doctor do I want to be for my patients? What do I want them to experience with my energy? How do it's I want to show It's wild to me. You're just like back seeing patients. Like that was a thing that happened. What were some of the w- most common words that you would write on your hand in prison? Calm, trust, peace, and miracles. I believe in miracles happen every single day, but the universe will not bring them to you if you don't attract them. But calm was always number one. I did not want to react because I was in fear. I wanted to react because I had a heart to give to people and I cared enough to know that I was, I had no control of my situation. Mm -hmm. Did you go through like a lot of the stages of grief that they talk about? Like, did you go through like hopelessness, sadness, then anger? You know, did you, or like which, which negative emotion would you say was the most common one that you experienced? This is probably not the most popular or common one with people, but I went through pure loneliness. And the reason I wasn't even depressed because I was I was focused on being so grateful Dusty was still there. 
I was so lonely because at five o'clock at night until 7 a.m., I was stuck in my cell and no one spoke English. Mm. And I am a girl that you will laugh when you hear Dusty's interview. I could talk to the wall. I just, I, I communicating with people. And the mm-hmm. fact that that was one of the things, and it was one of the lessons that I knew God was putting in front of me for a reason so that I could overcome and learn how to be with myself. Yeah. That's what you said. Like that was the thing of like loneliness, that that was your worst, worst case. Huh? Wow. Wow. Um, okay. So Jody, um, I want people to buy this book, hear your principles. Um, so tell us where we can buy the book. So the book is on Amazon. It's also easiest place ever to buy it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so check out Amazon purple in prison by Dr. Jody green, Jody with an eye green, like the color. And it's on Kindle. We're currently recording it for Audible right now. So hopefully that'll be out. With Are you reading next. it? I am. And I'm also having a friend read it. We're oh, going to see which one people feel more connected to. Well, as Dusty's love letters are in there too, right? Yes. And him being from Alabama, he's so Southern. Right, I, don't know. Like, I don't know. If you could have a, a, Yeah, got it. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. We're we're playing with it. Uh, besides Amazon, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook. I have two pages, one with my personal name. Please like and follow me there. Otherwise, we have a Purple in Prison page because we have a podcast coming out that's called The Real Purple Podcast, talking about all things real life, real experiences, real wellness, everything real life. Awesome. Um, And so you said there may or may not be conversations with Netflix and Hulu. What other from like, have you, are you like trying to get on the Today Show? Have you been on the Today Show? Like what other kind of cool stuff are you doing for promotion? Yeah, we're trying to do all of that. I just got a team together of a few awesome females here in Alabama. And they've worked with Chelsea lately. They've done a bunch of different press things with our magazines, local magazines. And so we're on our route to do that. There's a lot of steps. I had no clue what releasing a book would be like. Right. Um, But there's a lot of steps. You kind of got to build up for it. My biggest next events are I'm starting to teach and speak on stages about the purple principles to help people create mindset, freedom type philosophy keynotes. So you just put together this team like recently? Yes, like with Okay, I don't think you're a three. Past month. I don't think you're a three. Here's why. Three. <laughs> so threes would be going, I'm gonna make a book. But like I'd I'd be like, okay, I'm getting out of here. Call, call a publicist. I'm gonna need hair and makeup done. I'm gonna need like get me a whole damn vanity team to get my face out there. Okay. So that's a compliment. There you go. Oh well, thanks. Yeah. yeah. It is funny though, because I'm I'm putting this out into the universe right now. I haven't said this to anyone but my family. 
I know I'm going to sit with Hoda one day and she's going to interview me. I'll cry with her. I'm going to sit with Kelly Ripa. She's going to hug me and we're going to have a great time with her husband. Mm -hmm. I can literally envision, and I did, every person that I'm going to see and interview with. I'm going to be on the Kelly Clarkson show. Mm -hmm. And I'm also going to, did I lose you? There we go. Okay. So you, I, you cut up after Jennifer Aniston. So you're going to meet Jennifer Aniston? And Adam Sandler, because every single night as I went to sleep, I would play a movie in my head and it was always just go with it. And how harmonious is that, that that title that I was just going with it. Oh, well, I can't wait for that all to happen. I think your story is so cool. I believe you. I believe it's going to happen. That's incredible. Jody, so, so cool. I am so excited that you're out of that damn prison. Oh my God. Um, and what a life, like you, the, the lives that you will change just from honestly, just the pure standpoint, don't carry firearms into, into Mexico. You know what? I'm going to say if you guys went to like South America, would Dusty carry a firearm? Oh, would you just leave it at home? Out of the state. Yeah. We're, we're good. He's like, we're good. Um, are you allowed back in Mexico? Will you ever go back to Mexico? Oh, how much time do you have? Mic drop. I've already been back two weeks after. Two weeks after you were out? Why? Did you forget your charger? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was one of those. I grew up with horses. And if you fall off, you get back on. I know nobody understands that. But would you go back for? Two reasons. One, I was terrified and I needed to conquer it because I was two weeks later. That's the other kicker. I you are an eight, you weirdo. Yeah, I was like, there's there are two reasons. One, I I could feel a sense I was going to hold trauma that I didn't want if I yeah. didn't get out of my comfort zone. Two, we bought this extra trip after our retreat for a few days to an all inclusive, and we weren't getting our money back. And I was like, Mexico got enough of my money. I'm going to go and have this trip. You are 100% an Enneagram 8. I am going to go back two weeks later because I will not allow this trauma to own me. You crazy girl. I like it. You you special kind of crazy. (laughs) Oh, okay. But to finish that, because then I had a Zoom call the day after we got back to finish basically my court case and they were like okay you're done like you're just a felon for four years now jody's not going back yeah i'm good yeah okay that that's probably good pick pick go to a different Got back on that horse we put that horse out to pasture yeah yep so it's good oh my gosh all right she slayers um we will have that link to amazon below so you can go buy that and support jody like honestly even if you're like eh, i got enough of the story like support this book so this story can get out there like from the cool standpoint that girlfriend was doing chiropractic in exchange for like water and cigarettes and pillows and tampons in prison like (laughs) let's get her on kelly clarkson so all right jody thank you so much for your time thank you so much and And this was truly the best part of my day good good we will we will meet in person sometime and you i will be able to remember you because you'll likely be wearing purple so 100 <laughs> percent. 
All right, she slayers. Until next week. Bye. Hey, she slayers. Are you looking to get your team off the phone and streamline your front desk so you can spend more time doing what you love? Sked has exactly what you're looking for. They will automate all your appointment reminders, missed appointment reminders, reactivation campaigns, allow you to have two-way texting with your patients. Plus, they have a very cool app that your patients are going to love. The app alone saves chiropractors tons of time because it gives patients the flexibility to move appointments to a time that works better for them. Don't worry, you won't lose control of your schedule because you'll have access to all the parameters that keep you still in control. Plus, there's overbook protection, so your schedule won't get out of hand. SCED was created by a chiropractor for chiropractors, so you can rest assured that you're getting the absolute best system for your office. Dr. Eric Kowalki is committed to the chiropractic mission, and he works closely with his developers to always be innovative so that we have the best system available. If you're hesitant to switch to SCED because you already use something else, let me tell you, it's worth every penny. Plus, mention that you heard about it on my podcast and they'll give you a discount. Seriously, it is a game changer. Don't wait. <laughs>